Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening to the hashtag Create Your Earth Life podcast with myself, your host, Janessa Staples. And today we have a special guest on. His name is Tim, and he's going to be talking about his faith as well as sharing a story about a cult-like church that he was a part of. And he will share signs of churches that are cult-like. So if you think that um, you could potentially be in a church that is a cult, he will give you tips on what to look for. I hope you guys enjoy. God bless. All right. Hi, Tim. Can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Uh, My name is Tim Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, what more do you need to know? Well, what do you do? You want to tell us anything about yourself? You want to talk about um, what you do? Um, are you a Christian? All of this information. Okay. Uh, well, just briefly, I'm Tim Williams. Uh, currently, I work full-time at a church here. Um, I live outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I've been in ministry uh, full-time and part-time for over 20 years. So yes, I am a Christian. I guess that should be, uh, it should be a no, uh, uh, that should be expected if you're a minister that you, uh, or you work in ministry that you uh, are a Christian. So yeah, but I got saved at a very young age, I uh, grew up in the Southern Baptist uh, church. And uh, <clears throat> as I got into college, I began to go to some charismatic churches and kind of expanded my uh, my scope of what all the church was and followers of Jesus were. And so uh, now I'm back at a Southern Baptist church where I was in, I was in high school. So um, I got a wide range of experience with different sizes of churches, uh, different types of churches. Um, but, uh, I'm married and I have a young daughter and that's its own miracle story with my daughter. Uh, but just excited to be here on the podcast and share with you. So, okay. Um, so first I have one question is what exactly do you do at the church? <laughs> Great question. Uh, I don't know how well I can answer it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'm a music minister by trade. I, I, that's what I went to school for. That's what I was really doing. Uh, and most of the churches before I came here. So we really came back here to Georgia. I'd been in Jacksonville, Florida for uh, seven years. I was a, a music director and social media strategist for a church there, a pretty large church. And then uh, my dad got diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so uh, my mom was really wanting us to move closer uh, to be home with him. Uh, since then, my mom's been diagnosed with uh, uh, stage, uh, not stage, uh, non uh what is it? She's got cancer. I can't remember what kind it is. The it's uh, lymphoma, but I can't remember the exact what it's called. So, okay. and uh, so we moved back here, and I went in the church there. We already had they already had like three music ministers on staff. So I'm kind of part time on the music side, but I mainly do building, uh, not maintenance, but building operations. So I'm there to help with setup for events and uh, oversee the calendar and just a lot of different kind of things going on because there's always something going on at the going on at the church during the week. So I'm just kind of there to add support for whatever they need. So okay, that answers the question really well. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, and did you want to talk about your daughter? You said uh, she was a miracle. Did you want to talk about that? Sure. We can, we can talk about that for yeah? a few minutes. So, uh, so uh, my wife and I, well, yeah. So my wife and I were uh, trying to get pregnant and we're, not being successful. She had a couple of miscarriages. And so we realized that she actually had some fibroids that were keeping her from getting pregnant. So uh, we had gone, she'd had a procedure scheduled to have the fibroids removed. 
uh, we, we, she went back. I was there in the waiting area and about 45 minutes later, the doctor comes back out and he says, well, I've got some good news and some bad news. I said, okay. He said, well, the, the bad news is, is I can't take fibroids out. And I said, okay, well, what's the good news? The good news is she's already pregnant. So, <laughs> so it was like the miracle happened there. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is uh, shortly after that was when we relocated to, to Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, she was starting to, you know, uh, be in a lot of pain. And uh, we realized that the baby was going to, was trying to come too early. So she was about uh, right at 22 weeks, I think at that point. So still had a long way to go. So she was on bed rest for several weeks and uh, at the hospital, uh, but she's the, our daughter still basically came three months earlier. She was due in January of 2010 and she came October 5th, 2009. And so, but the miracle part about it was, is the two fibroids, one was trying to push my daughter out, but the other one was actually holding her in. So you needed, you know, so it was like God was kind of keeping her safe in there. So um, so she was born pre premature. She was one pound 0.7 ounces when she was born. Um, she was in the NICU for a hundred days, uh, but she's just turned 11 and she's full of life and full of energy and uh, doesn't have any, any issues. So we're very thankful for that. So, uh, but after that, um, we, were, we were told we weren't going to have any kids after that. So she's our one and only. And uh, so we'll just put all our love and affection and attention on her and spoil her rotten like we're supposed to, I guess. Oh, that is so sweet. That is a, a very nice story. I like that a lot. I love hearing that. <laughs> so when we talked before um, online, we mm -hmm. talked a little bit about how you said you ended up in some kind of like cult church. <laughs> yeah. So uh, interesting. Let's see how much of this can we jump into? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so shortly after my, my wife and I, uh, well, actually, when my wife and I were still dating, um, she had a friend of hers that she had known for a little while at the church that we were going to at the time. And he had left and gone to Maryland and, and had been under somebody else's ministry for like a couple years. And so he was coming back uh, north side of Atlanta and uh, he wanted to start his going to start his own church. And so um, I was, had just finished college. I was you know looking to get into something full time. I tend to be a music minister. The church I was at already was well-established, had plenty of people, didn't, you know, I, I wasn't going to get hired there anytime soon. And so, uh, so we said, well, we're going to go help him kind of get his church started and kind of see how things go. So we, um, we went there. I was uh, the, I became like the main uh, worship leader there uh, and just kind of started from nothing, just me and a guitar, just kind of singing a couple of songs. And it really just started uh, in uh, his basement of his house. He had just, he had recently got married. And so started in his basement with about, you know, 10 or 15 people and it started to grow. And so the interesting thing is we had said at the beginning, we're, we're going to help for a year and then we're going to go, go do something else that we didn't expect to be there for very long. Uh, but he was, you know, a dynamic speaker. He was, you know, uh, he really knew how to, you know, it was very outgoing and uh, just, showed a lot of uh, attention to us and affection to us. And so uh, we kind of got lulled into uh, a lot of extra stuff. And so after a year, or when he found out we were only going to be there for a year, he just kind of made a way to keep us there. And so we were actually there for uh, just about seven years when we left. And so, but as we were leaving, we kind of recognized a lot of the signs that, that you know, what we were in was not really uh, a healthy church environment. It was very, very much like a cult. And so, 
Um, and what that means is basically he he was manipulating everything to uh, make him have no fault. And anything that didn't work in the ministry was never his fault. It was always something that we were doing or not doing. Um, he had control over just about everyone. Uh, you had to go to him about, uh, you know, when we were dating, he had to do our he had to do our marriage or, you know, had to do our uh, premarital counseling and had to marry us. And um, he wrote our vows for us. He, you know, um, he planned our wedding, you know, um, you know, almost every every detail of it. And uh, and it was like that for other people as well. We we're one of the few couples that got married at that at that church that are still married now. But I think that's because we were already dating and, you know, pretty much engaged before we were there. So uh, but a lot, a lot of marriages were broken up, you know, after the fact. Uh, and it, the church doesn't exist anymore. Um, he's not a pastor, as far as I know anymore. I think he's tried to pastor a few times since then. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a very weird, <laughs> it was a very weird time. But I, you know, and and we, we've kind of called it, and we tell people our kind of our story. We always talk about the cult church, and that's what we talk about. So, um, and just because, it, and we tell people, we kind of give stories of things that happened and. People kind of shake their heads like, how did, how, you know, how did you get, how did you get duped? And it's like, it, it doesn't happen all at one time. It, it's just, it's a slow process because well, here's the thing. Everybody comes to church and, you know, you want to be there to learn more about God. You want to learn more about Jesus. You want to grow in your faith. You want to, uh, you want to accomplish things. And so when you have a leader that sets goals in front of you and then inspires you to reach those goals, it's easy to kind of, you know, get behind that. And where it gets dangerous is then when they get to preach things that, and they say things such as, you know, no one else has ever preached this before. You know, God gave me this special revelation and, you know, you're not, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. And that I've learned, you know, as I've learned over the years, that's dangerous because if God only gave this one person this revelation, why, you know, why is he hiding it from everyone else? Why are we the special ones that need to know this information? And then, uh, that was, that was kind of a big thing. And like I said, and everything revolved around the leader, everything had to be about, you know, making sure that he looked good and it didn't matter, uh, you know, how, how falling apart our lives were, our finances were a wreck. Uh, we were in debt. Uh, our relationship was not, my, our marriage wasn't very good, but it had to look good on the outside. It had to look like we had it all together because if, if we looked bad, then it made the pastor look bad and, and the pastor looked bad. The church looked bad. If the church looked bad, then then the gospel's not working or whatever. However, he could manipulate it to make it look like, you know, if we didn't put on a brave face and make the church look like the happiest place on earth and everyone is succeeding and prospering and all that kind of stuff, then uh, then we're not being effective ministers of the gospel. And so then you just kind of get in this thing of I've got to keep going and and keep moving, because if I leave, then what's going to happen? And then anybody that leaves gets shunned. They, you know, they're told, you know. Well, you go out there and, you know, you're not going to prosper. Everything that you put into this church is, you know, you can't take that with you. And it's just, it, it, it's crazy. <laughs> wow. So did you, you knew this person before all this? Um, I did. My wife knew, but, you know, once again, she, she kind of knew him before, you know, and it, and it all stemmed from where he went out of town and he had gotten under another pastor that kind of trained him in all this. So it was kind of, you know, there was a lineage there where, he was learning all this stuff from somebody above him that was manipulating him to manipulate other people. And so she had noticed some things, but once again, you, you once again, you're, 
you know, we want to, we want to further the gospel. We want to grow in our faith. So let's just, you know, let's, let's wait six months and see what happens. And, and there's always, every year was always from, from here was, you know, this is it. I just need to just hang on for three more months. And we've got this big, the, the big event or this big plan or whatever. And once we do this, we're going to see the church explode and, you know, everything's going to be the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, every, after a couple of years, you start to say, you know what, I've heard this promise of, uh, enough times that seeing it not come to pass has made me think that maybe you don't know what's what's really going to happen or you don't really have this, you know, this uh, this special relationship with God that gives you these special insights. And so then anytime you try to bring something you feel like God is sharing with you, it always gets diminished because he wants to make sure that everyone thinks that he's the one uh, that really hears from God and knows what what everybody should be doing. And, and you've got to go to him to make sure that what you're hearing from God lines up with what he's hearing from God so you can move on it. So it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a little bit of a power trip. Oh, very much so. It's very much, it was very ego driven. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate, but um, at least you got out of it and I'm sure you learned yeah. a lot from it. It sounds like you probably oh, yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, like I said, there, you know, and it's, it, it still makes it hard because once again, you go, you know, you go to another church and like, I'll, I'll use the current pastor I have now. I've known, I've known this pastor. I, I still knew him even when I was going to, going to this other, you know, cult church, quote unquote. Um, and um, so, I mean, I've been friends with him for, for a long time. So even when I sit down with him, he may say certain things that sound somewhat familiar but I have to look at the whole picture and not just certain phrases because, you know, yes, if you join a church, you should be under, you know, the authority of a senior pastor. There's, you, you have to have someone that's going to lead a congregation. So there is submission and there is, you know, serving and there is, you know, doing things to further the gospel. You just have to watch for those warning signs where it becomes, like I said, there are certain things when they're preaching about, you know, this is a special relation. Nobody else knows this but me or, you know, um, you know, and, and being able to say no, you know, if they say, Hey, we're having this, you know, this big, uh, day where I need, you know, I'd like for all the church members and leaders to come and be here for this thing. It's okay to say, no, I can't be there and not feel like you're going to get reprimanded or feel, you know, feel shamed for saying no, because I have a family, I have a daughter, I have other, you know, I have other things outside of church. It can't be, I can't be all consumed with it where I don't have a life, you know, outside of it as well, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. So when we talked before as well, it kind of sounded like, um, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it sounded like you talked about your faith a little and mm -hmm. how it possibly either had holes in it or have had holes in it um, at some time. Do you want to talk about that a little bit or am I incorrect? Um, I don't know about holes in my faith. I, I Maybe in saying, you know, I, I've, I've been saved for a long time. Like I said, I got saved when I was, I was very young and, and, you know, uh, I've been under, you know, several different churches and their different pastors. And so um, there are times where, you know, you, you have doubt. There are times where you, you wonder. And once again, I think some of that comes from that pastor of, you know, I spent seven years in this cult. What's wrong with me? Why, you know, why would I, why didn't God give me discernment to see this? Why didn't I realize it earlier? And so, um, you know, there's, there's times where I struggle and think, you know, well, you know, am I really saved because I, I've got, I, I got duped by this or, you know, I feel afraid of this. And so, 
it, you know, just, I still have to go back to what I first believed and what I first understood when I first got saved. And, you know, the gospel is simple, you know, Jesus said, you know, come to me. So we come to him. He said, you know, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you'll be saved. That, that it's as simple as that. We make, we, and I say, we, myself included the body of Christ, the churches, we make it more, uh, we, we, we dilute it some by adding all these other things to it. Well, you've got to join a church and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And you've got to make sure your prayer life is this way. And you've got to make sure you're discipling other people. And you've got to make sure, you know, we can add all these additional steps that are good and are, are things that we should be doing, but it should not be tied to, if you don't do this, then your salvation is in jeopardy. And I don't think that's at least the way I understand the gospel. I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. So, but yes, I still want to pray every day. I still want to, you know, evangelize to people. I still want to do good deeds and, and, and watch, watch my manner of speech and watch how I treat other people. But that's not, if I fall in that doesn't mean that I've lost my salvation or that, you know, it, it wasn't true to begin with. I'm just, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. You know, the whole point of getting in, in, in the Bible every day and reading it isn't to, you know, uh, let me, let me realize the next step I've got to do to make sure that I make it to heaven. No, it's just things to help me to learn, uh, new aspects of a relationship, you know? So just like my wife and I, we've been married, uh, you know, we passed 20 years over there 20 years. We're around 20 years. <laughs> Don't tell I didn't know how long we've been married, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we're still learning about each other and we're, we're growing and developing. We're not the same people we were 20 years ago. I'm not the same person I was when I first got saved. So my level of understanding is going to be different. So uh, I believe God reveals what we need for that moment or for that season. So he can't just, you know, plop down the hole of his will and say, here you go. This is what I want you to do for the rest of your life. I think he kind of hands it out as bits and pieces as we can kind of take and digest at that time. But sometimes I feel like, uh, did I miss it? You know, just like now in the job I'm in now, I've done music ministry as my primary ministry for so many years. Now I'm here in this other church where that's not my primary ministry anymore. And for the first like year I was there, it was really hard to let go of those things and say, I'm not the person in charge that picks the music. I'm not the person in charge that chooses how the service is going to go. I just have to come in and do my part and trust that God's leading him just like God led me when I was the church I was before. And so finding new ways to serve, new ways to um, to grow and, and develop as a, as a full-on minister and not just a music minister, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you do ministry, but you also have a podcast. I do. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your podcast. So I have a podcast that's totally non-ministry related, <laughs> <laughs> but it's called the eighties flick flashback podcast. And it all came out. I'm a, I'm a huge movie buff. I've loved movies for, you know, my whole life. Uh, my, my parents were movie watchers. We, something we did on the weekends, we'd either go to the movies or we, you know, back when you could, you know, rent videos uh, back when they still had DVD stores and VHS stores, we'd rent movies. And so, um, so I had this, I've, I've had other podcasts before, but I created this group on Facebook called Movie Views, News and Reviews, where I would go to the movies and I'd write a review. Or I'd share different, you know, things going on in the industry. And so, uh, like a back, I guess almost a year ago now, uh, I did a bracket, like a, you know, like a the Sweet Sixteen, you know, uh, bracket of '80s movies because a lot of people my own age who grew up on '80s movies, and so it got so much. Everybody was talking all about this movie, and oh, you remember this movie, and what they love about this and that, and so. Uh, me and a good friend of mine who had been on my other podcast with me, 
we're like, hey, maybe this might be our next podcast. Let's just kind of talk about just focus on 80s movies and go back and watch them and then discuss them. And so in doing that, I'm a, I love research. So for each movie, I go back and I find, you know, kind of the behind the scenes. How did the story come to pass? You know, how did the story uh, originate? Who was the director? How did the everything come together with casting and all that kind of behind the scenes stuff? So each episode, I have a different guest co-host. We talk about an 80s movie that either I've never seen, uh, other people have talked about, or I haven't seen in a long time. And uh, me and the guest co-host, we just kind of swap stories about our memories of the movie as kids growing up or when we first watched it and then kind of go through the behind the scenes and just have a lot of fun along the way. So, but it's very family friendly. We, we keep it clean. Uh, even though some of the movies you watch are not as clean as we would like them to be, but, uh, we have, a, we have a good time talking about it. So it's a fun podcast. I'd love you to listen to it if you get a chance. Yeah, that sounds very fun. Did you say the name of it? Yes. The eighties flick flashback podcast. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. And, um, so going back to our faith, um, Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what is it you do every day, um, that keeps you connected with God and like helps you incorporate him in everything that you do? That's a good question. Um, I I really focus, especially the last year, I really focused on spending more time actually in God's word. Of course, you know, um, and if you're, if you're listening, you can't see this, but we all have our, our cell phones and, you know, apps have made it so much easier to like have access to everything. So uh, I use the Uversion app on my phone and they have tons of devotionals and I've never been a big devotional kind of guy. Like I've never been one that really follows a devotional plan, uh, but I've tried to be, I've tried to break out of that and kind of say, I'm not just going to, you know, fling open a, you know, some scripture and just try to read it. I wanted to kind of find some devotions where I'm, I'm reading scripture, but also um, hearing other perspectives or, or, you know, kind of focusing on, in on some things. So uh, for me recently, I, I went back and I said, I want to go back through the Psalms and really want to learn more about the songs. Once again, as a worship leader, music, that's, that, you know, it's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, and because, you know, with 2020, you know, as crazy of a year as it was, our emotions were kind of all over the place, you know, can't go here, can't go there, political things, all this kind of stuff. I said, well, the good thing about the Psalms is David or whoever's writing a certain Psalm, their emotions are kind of all over the place as well. So it's like, oh, you know, it's okay to, to like, at one, at the beginning of a Psalm, he may be saying, God, you need to destroy my enemies. And then by the end of the Psalm, he's like, but God, I'm going to trust you anyway. So I love the Psalms because it's not just, here's what you got to do. Here's what you need to do. You know, follow this, do this, you know, all these rules and regulations. It's really, it's really more of an emotional growth of, yeah, I'm going to have these feelings of being frustrated. I'm going to have these feelings of sadness. I'm going to have these feelings of, you know, somewhat would you say hopelessness, but it always kind of comes back to that, you know, God is still on the throne. God is still sovereign. He still knows what's best for me. And so that really encouraged me, at least it has in the last couple of months as I've been going through that study of just, you know, um, remembering that no matter how crazy my emotions may get, my anchor for my soul is that God is still true. He's still on the throne. His word still works. He still has a plan no matter what's going on in the world. So that's a big thing. And then of course, you know, spending time with prayer and staying connected. I mean, you know, um, and over the years, I've heard so many different ways people to tell you to pray, you need to pray this way, make sure you cover these things in prayer. And, And so now I just try to have some sort of conversation with God. And just when I wake up in the morning and, you know, for me, I hope this is okay, but, my, my prayer time is my shower time. That's, you know, with a wife and a young daughter, you know, your quality time, your time, 
sometimes the only time I have that is when I'm in the shower and nobody's bothering me. And so uh, I kind of spend my prayer time there and just know that I, I kind of have some uninterrupted time to, to, to spend time with God at that point. So, and then of course, as, as a worship leader, I love to have, I'm always listening to different worship music, you know, there's a lot of uh, worship artists and I, I'm very eclectic with my, with my music choices. I love everything from like traditional gospel, Southern gospel, the CCM stuff. Uh, so I like all kinds of types of music and they all speak to me in different ways. So uh, that, that kind of helps, helps me stay grounded as well. So. You are not alone in the uh, prayer when you take a shower. I have a young son and I don't know. Also, sometimes I just feel like you just get to relax. You're not worrying about anything else and you just like really can feel connected to God. Um, Oh yeah. So that's a great tip. Everybody's got their secret place. You know, and the Bible says, you know, go to your closet to pray. My closet is not big enough for me to pray in. So the shower works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Did you have anything else you want to talk about today? You said you had some notes. Is there anything additional? Oh, just, you know, as I was talking about cults, I just, I, I'd written down some things that, you know, like, you know, if I can help anybody to not make the same mistakes I did, then that, you know, I, I would want to do that. And so just some things, if, if you feel like you, you know, if you're in a church somewhere and things just don't seem, they like, you can't put your finger on it, but it doesn't seem like it's right. There's just a few signs that you may want to kind of maybe check off and see if it's, if, if it's something. So, um, and I've kind of covered some of these, but these are just kind of more specific, but uh, number one, there's a zealous commitment to the leader. That means the leader's thoughts, opinions, and belief system are considered absolute truth. And the commitment reaches beyond just adoration. So it's okay to, you know, admire your pastor or, you know, think, you know, I, I think highly of the pastor I'm under now, but I don't set him on a pedestal that he shouldn't be set on. Right. I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't exalt himself of other people. You know, he's, he's a servant of servants. He, 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 he leads, but you see him, you know, serving as well. So um, the second thing is any kind of dissension is discouraged. Anyone who questions the leader or leaders is considered a traitor and even called it sometimes dangerous. And so you want to be careful if you, if, and sometimes it may not be the senior pastor. It could be some of the other leaders in the church that have their own agenda where they're trying to, you know, get members for their own self or their own, agenda and you want to be careful when anytime you 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 know say something that um uh, they maybe they won't agree with that you get a lot of backlash for that so you know you want to be free to say hey i hear what you're saying but hey we thought about doing it this way or maybe we can try it this way and ho- a, a good leader as we've learned or as i've learned is always open to suggestions and they may not follow it you know you're not going to have a pastor's going to do everything that you want to do that's not how it works but you want to make sure that the, that when you bring something to the pastor, you don't feel guilty or you don't feel shamed when, or they don't, they don't belittle you because you brought something different than whatever their plan was. So um, uh, let's see. I think I've mentioned those already. Um, this is a big one uh, that was real dangerous with that, that. This was one of the things that, that I, I knew when it got to this point, it was time for us to leave. And that's when the ends justify the means in the sense of, uh, you find yourself engaging in some activities that previously you would have thought were wrong, evil, or sinful. Like in, in this, at the church we were at, the, the, the quote unquote cult church we were at, finances were a big issue. It was always, there was always financial issues. And so um, I was actually working at the church at the time and we had, there were uh, uh, there two examples. I'll just give you one, but um, one of uh, the power bill basically for the church was not getting paid. And so 
Um, I knew they needed to be paid. I kept saying I need to be paid and it just wasn't being paid because all the money was going to his house, the, the pastor's house and not the church. And so um, they cut the power off because we were so behind on, on the, you know, on the bill. So he had me, you know, we had to get dressed up and went to the, the power company and met with the person that was, uh, you know, in charge of billing or whatever. And he tried to use his manipulative ways to say, hey, you know, we've got to further the gospel and you got to do this. And, you know, you know, we can't further the gospel if we don't have power. And so I need to turn the power back on. And she basically said, no, you haven't paid the money. And so because you haven't paid the money, I'm not turning your power back on. And he got mad, stormed out. And he basically cussed her out in front of me, which made me feel even worse because I'm like, OK, we're supposed to be a church and you're just going to blow up at her. And so then he had somebody else, it wasn't me, but he had somebody else in the church, one of the other leaders, go and cut the lock off of the power box to turn the power back on for our church service that night. So once again, we're doing stuff that's totally illegal, but in his mind, the end justifies the means. And it's like, as that was happening, I was like, you know what, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> this is not where I want to be. And so I pray that no one ever gets to that point. And I was like, I said, these are the stories I've told people and they're like, I can't believe this really happened. I'm like, this is all a hundred percent true. It happened. And you know, it, it's, it's crazy. So, um, let's see. I think, uh, I talk about shame and guilt. Um, yeah, I think that, I think those are the, I think if you have those, I think you, <laughs> I think you got enough reason to run. And, and, you know, interesting about, I remember when, when my wife and I decided to leave and it all kind of happened, it, it, it wasn't us. And there was another group of, there was another couple that left like a week before us. And there was already some talk between several, and there was like 30 people in our leadership team, which is for a church of maybe 200 people. And it, well, it wasn't even that, it was probably 150. Um, that was a big group. And we were already starting to talk about all these things we were seeing. Everybody was starting to, things were starting to come to light. We were starting to see that things were not the way they were, they should be. And so we decided to leave. And then we were having lunch with another couple that had been there from the beginning, you know, just about the beginning with us. And um, they kind of said, I can't, you know, you guys are leaving. I'm like, yes, yeah. like, you I mean, we can leave too. It's like, they didn't realize that they, they felt like they were trapped. Like there was no way anybody could ever leave. And so they said that we kind of opened the gate for them when we left. They were like, oh, if you, if you can leave, then we can leave too. And, and that's kind of what happened after we left half of the leadership team, quote unquote, which were a lot of married couples started to leave. And so, and like I said, the church didn't last much longer uh, after that because, we were, we were all, you know, um, we were all somewhat, um, you know, keeping it, keeping it going. You hit one thing I say is he, he had a great, uh, group of leaders that knew how to treat people, even though we were being manipulated ourselves, we still treat, we treated people better than he did. And so we, we kept that kept people there and we kept the ship moving. He was horrible with organization. He was horrible with, uh, delegation. Just he had all these great ideas and wanted you to do them. And so we were we were the ones who were able to kind of, you know, take this broad stroked idea that he had and try to put links to it and make it work. So we kind of kept we kept things afoot as long as we could. But ultimately, it was the finances that kind of did everything in, because once he lost half the leadership team, which were, you know, faithfully giving to the church, that was a big hit. Um, and, and it didn't didn't last much longer. So. Yeah, that is crazy how people can slowly brainwash others. 
Like it yeah. happens to like, so that's when people are like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Or like, how did you get sucked into that or whatever? It's not like it just, it's not like, uh, immediately, you know, all the information you were like slowly right. manipulated and brainwashed and probably gaslit and all that. Um, so that you feel a yeah. certain way. So you will stay and yeah, it's crazy. Um, hearing about that and it's, it's very interesting. Um, and it's, I'm glad that you shared that information. So people will be able to look up for that, not just in, in any kind of religion. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's in, you know, it's not just churches. I mean, you've got, I mean, it's, it's really, an, it's a narcissistic leader. And, and unfortunately, you know, we left that, which was definitely a cult, you know, like, you know, church, we, you know, I can't really call it a cult. We call it the cult church kind of tongue in cheek. But there were signs there. And the crazy thing was, and one of our other friends that left us was like, he spent, you know, we did a whole Bible study series on what a cult is to try to say, hey, look what it says a cult is. We're not this because he would find a way to twist each one of the, like some of the things I just shared. He would twist it and say, hey, we're not like this because I do this, I do that. And it's like he blatantly showed us what a cult was, but then tried to twist it to make it make us think, oh, well, we can't be, he didn't even say, we can't be a cult. If we were a cult, why would I teach on what a cult is? And it's like, it's that kind of manipulation to say, you know, oh yeah, well that, you know, you don't, let me not think about it long enough. Let me just take what he says at face value and just keep moving forward. And so, um, but yeah, so that was the crazy thing is that he taught on what a cult was, even though that's what we were, but going back to so from there to another church where, you know, wasn't really a cult. There were a couple there. We found out later there were some leaders there that had some of those same, uh, you know, kind of trait traits, but he, but, but once again, after five or six years, you know, that's always at that seven year mark. Uh, we started, you know, it was time. Well, it's a whole different story, but basically he left and then he put other people in charge of the church. And then as that all transition happened, all this information began to come out why he left and what things were going on. But come to find out he was a narcissist as well. He just could, he had a different way of showing it, a different way of, you know, um, it's just, it was just different, but, but he had other people in the organization that definitely, uh, you know, we're not, we're not doing, how can I say it was manipulating people in very, very bad ways. And I don't want to get into too much detail. So I'm trying to keep everything somewhat vague. So, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, even after that, it was, that's always tough. You know, we talk about the holes in my faith and the, the doubting things coming out of those two, you know, long stints of ministry and, you know, and saying, you know, how do I get under, how I've gotten involved with these leaders um, and just, you, you want to do the right thing. And, so, you know, I've, you know, I guess I've always kind of been a, um, I don't want to say goal, but I've, I've always wanted to see the best in people. And I, I want that to be a good quality. I don't ever want to become so cynical. Uh, but I went through, a, I went through a season where I was very cynical because I'd been hurt, you know, by these, by these pastors that I thought had my best interest at heart that really didn't. And I had given all this, you know, blood, sweat and tears and hours and overtime and sacrificed my life, you know, to, to, to move their ministry forward. And then to find out they didn't care about me at all. It was all about the dollar and the prestige and how they looked on camera. So, um, it was kind of hard. So, yeah. But now you're at a, a better place, right? Yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah. 
Good. Yeah. And that's also very interesting because they always say, um, you know, narcissists, there's different kinds. There's covert and over and over narcissists. Mm-hmm. They like to, you know, have all the fancy stuff. They like to, uh, you know, look good and have money and be in mm-hmm. positions like CEOs, but you don't really think about it that, you know, um, being like a pastor and running a church is, you know, basically almost like a CEO kind of position. Um, so I never thought about finding narcissists in that position, but of course where power is, um, you can find narcissists occasionally. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's like I said, it's, I I don't want to discourage anyone from being a part of a church, you know, know, please be involved in a, in a good local church. Just be mindful of these, you know, the red flags, be mindful of those kind of things. And once again, if at any time you feel like an easiness about it, then just, you know, pray about it, you know, talk to other people, uh, people, you know, talk to people who are outside of the church and say, hey, you know, have you noticed my behavior changed since I've joined the church in a bad way? Not to say, you know, don't go to your, you know, if you got saved, don't go to your unsaved friends and say, has my behavior changed? Because it should have, you know, you should have, you know, changed a little bit, but, you know, other trusted, you know, Christian brothers and sisters to say, hey, I'm sorry, going to this church, you know, do you notice anything? Because that's one thing we realized once once you're on the outside looking in, it's all so clear. But when you're in the middle of it, you just you just don't see it the way. And we had friends that would tell us like we we were praying for you to get out of that, but we felt like we couldn't we couldn't tell you because you wouldn't believe us, and that you had to you had to realize it for yourself. And so that's kind of the the scary part. And I just you know there's a, a phrase I heard a long time ago. It said the worst kind of deception is self deception. It's like when when you've self deceived yourself, where no one can tell you anything different. That's 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 a dangerous place to be in. So. Yeah, it definitely is. And what a gift to, uh, have friends that will pray for you as I have become a Christian of, I converted to, uh, being a Christian not too long ago. And I realized like that is the best gift that you can give someone or to find out someone's praying for you. Like Mm -hmm. how amazing is that? I think that's fine. You know, talking to, you know, God and saying like, you know, I want these good things for other people. And that's amazing. Yeah. Really That's what the body of Christ friends. is all about. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Alrighty. Um, if people wanted to contact you, where could they contact you? Uh, well, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, well, it's kind of, I'm a Tim Williams on Facebook, but there's plenty of those. Uh, so, um, but I guess you can find me on Instagram, uh, T-A-W music. I've kind of have a music page there. Uh, I'm, I'm on that a, a lot. Um, I, a bit better go there and try to find me on Facebook. So T-A-W music. Uh, on Instagram is probably the best thing. I'm not really on Twitter. So don't, I think there's a TAW music on Twitter, an account I had like years ago, but I'm never on there. So don't try to do that. Um, And then of course, uh, as far as, and you could find the, the movie views, uh, news and reviews page. It's a group page. We really just talk about movies there, but that's another way you could find me and then, you know, just reach out to me and I could, you know, message either way that way, but Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. So. Okay. And definitely check out his podcast. Yes. <laughs> 80s flick flashback. Yeah. Alrighty. I hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it, it's been, a, it's been a joy. Great getting to meet you and, and get to talk and share and hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for listening to the hashtag create your earth life podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Tim and I chat. I hope you learned something new. I hope you are at a comfortable and safe church. And if you're not, get yourself out of there. And if you haven't yet, check out my Etsy shop. It is at etsy.com slash shop 
shop slash create your earth life. All right, you guys have the best day ever. God bless.